Are you struggling to get your project off the ground? Is the term research a dirty word? Need help finding more resources? My name is Nadine. I'm a nursing inquiry coordinator with the CNI. Today, I'm bringing you a special presentation of a podcast from our SHINE 2023 conference. It's a leadership panel entitled Engaging Staff in Inquiry Work, moderated by our health system scientist, Heather Watson. Please enjoy the presentation. Hello, and welcome everybody to this SHINE panel presentation on how to engage staff in inquiry work. And I am joined here today by a panel of nurses who are very successful in this endeavor of getting people to get engaged in inquiry work. So they're going to introduce themselves, and then we're going to have a discussion around the best practices for helping that to happen. So I'm going to start off asking Suzanne to introduce herself. Hi, everyone. My name is Suzanne Dutton, and I work in Washington, D.C. at Sibley Memorial Hospital. Uh, I have been here for 10 years, and my specialty is geriatric nursing. Um, but I just received a DMP three years ago, and I also help um, with QI and research projects here at Sibley along with um, supporting nurse burnout services. Thanks so much, Suzanne. Christina? Hello, everybody. I'm Christina Berger. I am the Director for Nursing Research and Evidence-Based Practice down in Florida. Hello from sunny Florida today uh, at Johns Hopkins Old Children's Hospital. I've been here for 16 years and practicing in pediatric nursing for 35. Um, I am really excited to talk to you this afternoon about our uh, engagement of staff in evidence-based practice and inquiry work. Thanks, Christina. Lisa. Hi, my name is Lisa Klein. I'm a clinical nurse specialist at Johns Hopkins Hospital in the Department of Neurosciences. So I'm on Zia 12 East and Zia 12 West, and I've been here for 17 years. There's a lot of years here. I'm Tanya. Hi, I'm Tanya Randall. I'm a clinical nurse specialist and um, unit-based um, in the PCCU, the Progressive Cardiac Care Unit at Downtown Hopkins. Um, and I've worked in cardiology here for 24 years in various roles. Thanks, Tanya. All right, so we're going to get started today by just kind of asking the most basic question around this issue, which is how do you get your staff engaged in, in inquiry work? What are some of the ways you make that happen? So I'm going to actually go uh, backwards of my introductions, and I'm going to start with Tanya. Tanya, what are some of the ways you get staff engaged? Um, so some of it has been just advertising to the staff in general you know, that we have an inquiry committee um, for our unit and some of the great things that we can do with that. Um, we've done our own unit-based nursing research and we've done our own QI projects and presented them and then also um, EVP. And so that's done just by the committee on our unit. Um, and at times it's been a pretty 
big group and at times a smaller group, but I find there are always some nurses on the unit who are interested in learning more about inquiry. I think you said it sounds like you you work through your your um, your committee structure, your council structure in order to get people engaged. Yes. Great. Lisa. Uh, so we also have a an inquiry committee for us. It's our it's our department for neurosciences. So three units are part of our committee. Um, with that, we like to have bedside representation. So we make sure we have a nurse, at least one nurse from each unit. As well, we incorporate quality improvement every day in our huddle boards um, where we talk about all of our quality improvement metrics and how we're working to improve that. And then I also try to engage staff and in inquiry in our smaller subcommittees. So we have a, a quality improvement committee and um, I wanna encourage them to also do evidence-based practice projects so that when we're thinking, how do we improve our data? How do we improve our interventions? Find out what has worked you know, what other projects have been successful, what other interventions, and see what we can learn from the literature so we're not just trying to figure out something on our own. Great, thank you. Christina? I think one of the things that we have found uh, that has really uh, gotten folks involved and were interested in doing inquiry work is hearing about what has been done. Um, and making them aware of all the great work that their colleagues are doing around them. And uh, our Inquiry Council puts out a newsletter, and part of that newsletter is actually an entire section on the um, past several months of what has been happening around inquiry work, what publications have been completed, uh, what uh, poster presentations have been presented or podium presentations, and really letting folks know the kind of work that's been done. And it kind of gets their brains thinking about potential things that they can do within their clinical areas as well. And we've had a lot of folks come up with some wonderful thoughts and, and suggestions and ideas just from hearing about what other people are doing. Great, thank you. And Suzanne? Yeah, thanks. I would um, piggyback on to Christina. When people are interested, whether they're um, thinking of going back to school or hear about projects, just the idea of having a group people that they can join uh, and actually help to um, join studies that are already going on or QI projects, but also really finding out what's important to them. So as um, somebody where my office is on a med surge unit, as I hear things happening and listening to the nurses is really instead of um, dictating it to the nurses, listening to what's important to them and then you know, trying to really get them involved and make them feel that they're not alone in doing a huge project by themselves, but how I can um, create um, other like-minded people that may be interested and then to let them know that there is support um, all along the way. Thanks. I think that's such an interesting um, point, which is that they're not alone. Um, because I do think that there's oftentimes a little bit of um, intimidation around inquiry work, you know, about, especially around like the word research, people get really, you know, standoffish about that, not so much quality improvement. And then EBP, I think it can go one half dozen or the other. So on that note, how do you 
how do you create that buy-in at the staff level for a project? And I'm going to ask Lisa first. Sure. So I think the biggest usually way to sell staff on a project is showing them what our, what our data in the past has been or what our concerns are to show them that there's something we need to work on improving. And I think once everyone sort of invested, yeah, we all need to work on fixing that. I think that helps get the support from staff and then also working to have that whatever part staff will have be involved. We just don't want to overwhelm staff too much with it. So we always want to keep that in mind when we're getting staff involvement. Tanya, do you have anything different to add to that? Um, I just make sure I tell them that I started out knowing about zero about inquiry work <laughs> and that it's just important to know where your resources are, like the Center for Nursing Inquiry and our informationists. Um, and I tell them, I don't know how to do all of this perfectly. I don't know the answers to all of it, but we're going to learn it together. So we'll take baby steps and we'll learn how to do it together. That's great. I, I know people like to not feel alone in their, you know, when they're feeling a little bit unsure, it's nice to have company, right? So um, a, a little bit of a pivot from that question. Um, Suzanne, how do you get the buy-in from the leadership side to sort of, you know, pull a team together and work on a project? Because that means you're, you know, dividing up resources sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really try to create like a win-win situation. So try to see, um, have like some sort of goal and try to automatically um, try to visualize what an outcome may be um, based on what the interest is in doing it um, and to be able to get them excited, um, whether it's, you know, by getting people to do a virtual reality research study with me and then perhaps We'll have a decrease in falls, but of course, you know, we don't know, but to try to think of what's also important to the managers and what um, they have to answer to. And then also looking um, to our foundation for funding to see what we have here at Sibley to um, support it in a, in a financial way as well. Thanks. Christina, do you have anything to add to that about you know, getting that buy-in at the leadership level. I do, yes. Um, I, one of the things that we have found that has been really successful at, at getting the buy-in at that level of leadership is to actually involve them at all levels of uh, whatever type of inquiry project uh, the staff has uh, interest in doing in their area. So for example, if it's in our surgical neuroscience unit, it's involving everybody from the clinical manager all the way up to the senior director and even sometimes the CNO um, so that everybody sees and understands the value. And as Suzanne mentioned, you know, really what are the outcomes that we're hoping to achieve by whatever type of project it may be. Um, and it really is very helpful because when you engage the leadership in whatever type of inquiry project you're doing, you're also helping to ensure that if the team runs into any bumps 
or hurdles that your leaders can help get them through those points and be successful. Um, when you're doing those projects, you know, really being able to move through them, complete them, disseminate them with the support of leadership makes people want to do more. They realize that, wow, I can really do this and I can be supported through it. Um, so we have found that to be very, very successful in including them in the actual team of the project. Great, thank you. Those are all really interesting ways that um, you guys can get buy-in from both the staff side and the leadership side. What I'm wondering is, what do you most often hear about when people are coming to you to ask for support? And also sort of in combination with that, what are you, what, what support are you most frequently offering um, and feel that's like the most effective to kind of keep keep inquiry work moving along. Um, I will I will ask uh, Tanya first. Um, I think that having unit leadership backing us up um, is the most helpful thing. Um, being able to send nurses to classes um, or conferences um, and having that supported by the unit is very helpful. Okay, great. Um, Suzanne, what do you find? I would say it's um, really just hand-holding, just starting to get the idea off the, uh, you know, to get it started. So for someone to just say, oh, I want to do something on nurse burnout, and then really working with them to, to um, come up with a PICO or something more specific about how to, you know, to, so that they can think about it in a more measured way. Uh, and then to let them know, okay, next we're going to go to PubMed and look up the, you know, for each step that this is, you know, to really help guide them um, through each part of it and to know instead of just putting everything out there all at once. So it sounds like you do a lot of, of um, support through the whole process. Mm -hmm. Great. What about you, Christina? What do you find that... Um, you you do the most sort of support around or what works the best i i think i agree a lot with what suzanne said um you know helping them to define their idea into what the best type of inquiry project would be uh, based on their thoughts their ideas their questions um, and really honing in on that and then helping them to build a good team around them um, so that they can get started on the right kind of project and um, and making sure that they they know where to find their resources and being and myself being a resource for them and our inquiry council being a resource for them, um, knowing that they're not going to go through this alone. But I think it's it's a lot of that initial definement of what they're thinking about. They don't quite know where to go first. Lisa, anything else to add to that? Uh, sure. So um, I find throughout the year, I frequently get frequently get uh, our new grads who are in the nurse residency program. They come to me asking what are projects that they can do for their EBP in that program. Um, so I get that pretty consistently as we have new staff. And then the other thing is, our, we have unit-based champions, whether it's CRABC, CAUTI, fall prevention, and sometimes they come up with great ideas and I just help guide them towards utilizing of evidence and best practices 
uh, just so that we are doing a, a formal project rather than trying, I mean, sometimes it works to try something new, but to see if there's, you know, support for other interventions that have shown that, that they, that they work. Right. So kind of not reinventing the wheel, but looking to see what evidence is already available to you to use instead of trying to generate something new or do the same project over again. Um, so how do you kind of identify these, these staff members that you think might be interested? Is it always people who are coming to you all or, or, or sometimes you see somebody and you, or you, or somebody's asking questions and you're thinking, you know where, I think you might belong with our inquiry group. And so I'm curious, how, how do you guys identify or seek those people out? Or is it always just that they come to you first? Christina. That's a great question, Heather. Uh, you know, I think we have so many staff out there that that think in in a very in, inquiry type mind, right? Um, and sometimes it's hard to find them. I actually have had um, a lot of staff sent to me. The staff haven't sought me out, but have been sent to me by their peers, um, by their nurse managers, or even charge nurses, mentors, preceptors, and saying, wow, you know, this person asks really good questions. I think they would be a terrific member of your council, or they've got a great idea, they don't quite know where to get started, so I sent them to you. Um, and so it's it's kind of a two-way. I've even bumped into people that I've done coursework for. I teach a number of classes at the hospital, and they've approached me afterwards and said, oh my gosh, I just got this idea pop in my head that I didn't even think was there today. Um, what should I do with it? And so. I think it's very much a two-way street in my organization from what I've seen. Um, and then I've also just simply had people by reading our newsletter uh, contact me by email and said, you know, hey, I've got this idea. You know, I just didn't really think about it much until I read the newsletter. And, and then they start to talk a little bit more and want to have conversation. Great. What about you, Lisa? So for uh, when we have new staff hired during the orientation, we have a, a little meet and greet with our departmental leadership. And I try to attend that. And when I go over what do I do, I share how I'm part of the Neuro Inquiry Committee and uh, our current projects. And I usually get staff interest at that moment. And I say, get through orientation and get back to me and we'll get you on the committee. That's usually the first point of that. And then other times, it's just helpful to just put out feelers, send an email to staff um, because there are certain staff that perhaps are not necessarily as motivated as others who are, you know, some staff are just already getting projects, already being championed. Um, but I don't want to only give those staff that reach out to me that opportunity. So I, I do send out a broader message to, to staff ever so often to see who else may be interested. Great. Suzanne? Um, yeah, like Christina, people um, also send nurses to me that have ideas and will say, go see Suzanne. Um, so I, I think it's both. Sometimes people are interested in, in going back to school for further education and just kind of interested in doing a project. So some people will come to around me for that. Um, 
But I think, you know, at new nurse orientation, I'll definitely let people know if they have an idea or are interested in research at all to, that I'm the person to contact and to make sure they let me know. So it's, it's, a, it's both. I'll either be a part of a committee or something where I hear people express interest, but then also people will know that I'm the person to refer patients with, along with um, our Women and Infant Services um, DMP nurse, who's Rowena. Hmm. What about you, Tanya? Um, I was going to tell you about just last week when I had a nurse at the nurse's station who was talking all about this wonderful book she read um, about um, trying to find the cure for diabetes and just the way she was talking about it and the other nurse was so interested in this um, that I could just tell she was the kind of person that would be interested in inquiry. And I told her kind of the same thing you say, Lisa, she was relatively new. So I said, not yet, but you might want to join the inquiry committee. It seems like you might like that after you're, you've been on the unit for a little while. Um, I like it. It sounds like there's a, a little bit of sort of some formalized processes and some informalized processes to kind of help get, get staff um, on board and um, and interested in inquiry work and leverage those folks who are sort of just naturally curious. Um, so in your experience, because uh, you all indicated you have a wealth of experience at the institutions where you work, um, we know that there's always ebb and flow in staffing. We know we have lived through some extraordinary times most recently. Do you have any sort of special like tips or or have you learned any lessons about what does really, really work or what doesn't really, really work in terms of keeping people kind of on that path of, of, of inquiry? Because we know there's always competing interests, right? And so how do you, how do you help people stay engaged? Um, and I'll start with uh, Christina. I think you're right. I think the last couple of years have been very, very difficult. Um, but I think one of the things that's been kind of a very uh, subliminal uh, way that people have stay en stayed engaged, believe it or not, is um, as Suzanne mentioned, you know, we always have staff that are going back to school and have to do projects for their master's degree or DNP or, you know, whatever it is that they're pursuing. And those types of projects that are done because people are in school actually inspire, continue to inspire our other staff to critically look at things that are going on around their units, um, what's going well, what's not going well, continue to ask questions. Um, I think in just, you know, in spite of the pandemic, nurses don't stop asking questions. And so we've been fortunate in that it has continued to drive quite a bit of inquiry work. Um, but I think that, you know, it's, um, I, I have really found that my nurses that are in school continue to inspire those that are not. And to do some of that work while they're, you know, doing their regular job and maybe working overtime and you know, extra hours and things like that. So a very interesting kind of side note from our folks that are in school. Great. Um, Tanya. 
Um, I think it's really important to engage them in deciding on the project together. Um, in the past, we've sent out like a little query to all of the staff, not not only people who were in the inquiry committee, but just like asking for ideas and asking what projects they would like to work on. Um, you know, give us some topics that you've been interested in and our inquiry committee can find out some answers for you. Um, so I think when we all determine as an inquiry group which project we're going to work on and that the unit would like to know about, um, it keeps them motivated. And then just meeting monthly. So we always meet once a month and almost always there's a little bit of homework to do for the next month. So it just it keeps the project going and keeps us accountable to each other to keep working on the project. That's helped a lot for us. Yeah, I like the accountability piece. That's always really important. Lisa. I totally agree with Tanya with having staff input in whatever projects you're doing. The staff are not the fan of being told what they're going to be doing. I think celebrating the wins. So when you have projects that your, your audits, your outcomes have seen improvements, we want to celebrate those wins. And then we want to support the staff that are part of inquiry um, send them to additional courses, whether it's the EVP boot camp, have them apply to the, um, oh, Heather, what's it called? The research oh, scholar? The nurse, the nurse scholar fellowship at JHH. Mm -hmm. Do that. Um, could be going to a conference um, that we want to just find other ways that we can also support the staff to grow. Great. Suzanne. Um, I love those answers. I would still go back to to keeping them engaged is to really keep focusing on one step at a time. I think it's so easy, especially when you're really busy at the front line to think of the entire project in a whole and to really focus in. So I do try to give them um, try to just touch base with them either in person with a little meal card or something or just send a quick email and just say, what did you find at the lit search or hey you know did you get anyone that was interested in whatever the next step is and then i may even entice them like oh hey i heard that the like for me the niche uh, nurses improving care for health system elders conference is coming up and we're going to new orleans i think you know your project would be great what do you think about um you know if, we, if you want to the support to help write an abstract to keep it going um, to kind of, you know, remind them about, you know, posters and the fun of being able to go to conferences and things like that to disseminate their um, outcomes. It sounds like um, a lot of sort of recognition and, and rewards sort of as you go along, even not, you know, big financial rewards necessarily, but even like you said, sort of like that pat on the back or that acknowledgement of good findings or outcomes that you were originally looking for is sometimes enough to keep people moving. Um, all right, as we wrap up, so we, we have a few more minutes, I would love to hear about, um, in brief, a project uh, that you've worked on with staff um, that went really well and that you were successful in and sort of how that, how that happened. So um, Suzanne, I'm gonna start with you.
Um, I would talk about, I, I would use the example of our virtual reality. So um, we have a research study that we're now in a second phase where we use an Oculus Rift and have all kinds of staff uh, experience a lifelike uh, experience of having macular degeneration, high frequency hearing loss, and measuring empathy and whether or not it would change nursing practice if they experienced those sensory impairments. Um, and, you know, I've been able, because I think it's um, a high technology kind of thing, a lot of the new graduate young nurses were interested in helping participate in that study. Uh, and we were able to um, do that, have statistical significance. We're presenting it in New Orleans, um, and we're starting a second phase where we're trying to even look at falls and different delirium outcomes with it. But because it was getting the staff uh, involved in actually utilizing the technology, um, I think a lot of the younger nurses were interested in joining. And then now two of them actually went back to school because of it. So um, it's wow. been a success. That's excellent. Thank you for sharing. Christina. I would love to share a project that I was involved in mentoring uh, a group of nurses from our hematology oncology unit. And they were seeking some, uh, started out with an EVP project, really seeking some, uh, hopefully some answers from the literature in how to be uh, better supported in getting their patients to do their um, daily ADL bundles for with patients with central lines and and really doing these things that help to prevent clapses and mucosal barrier clapses. And they really were struggling to ensure that their patients completed these activities every day, twice a day for some of them. And the literature really told them nothing. There was really nothing out there. And as we know, when you complete an EVP project, oftentimes you either have to go and do something from a research realm or keep things the way they are, or maybe even try something in a quality improvement. And so they actually chose with their unit leadership support to go down a quality improvement road. And they actually converted one of their patient care tech positions into a hygiene tech. Um, so this was something that was with leadership, with um, within staffing model changes, and um, put this person into a role that their sole responsibility now is to ensure that the patients complete these hygiene activities, and they've actually already seen a reduction in their clapses and mucosal barrier injury clapses. Um, and so they're really excited because now this could become a permanent position on their unit. And so this is where the money is, um, certainly, right? A clapsy is very expensive and would certainly a harm uh, to the patient. So um, they have seen quite a success uh, on their unit in this endeavor. So I'm really, really proud of them. They, they started this project and didn't really understand where it was going to go and how, and they've been working on this from the original EVP project now for nearly two years. Um, and seeing a wonderful positive effect in their population. And uh, and the kids are really enjoying it too because it's the same person. And uh, they're very creative in getting the children to do their, their hygiene care. So 
uh, a really wonderful group of folks and making a difference. Great, thank you for sharing that. That sounds really interesting. Um, Lisa. Uh, sure, so we did an evidence-based practice project a few years ago, seeing um, what does the literature say about to make NG tube insertions less painful for patients. And it was across the literature, really recommended small size of the actual tubes, and then as well to use an anesthetic prior to insertion. And uh, we did not have anything at the hospital that we could give to a patient prior to insertion. And so we were just doing them uh, without any anesthetic. And so with this project, and I had our EBB, our nurse who went to the EBP boot camp take the lead on this project, working with pharmacy, working with Epic, working with the Entral 2 policy group that just recently updated the policy so that our order set will now include a topical anesthetic prior to insertion of NG tubes. So it was just great seeing an outcome in practice to um, make it more comfortable for patients. That's great. Tanya? Um, several things come to mind, but uh, just one, um, our actual research project that we completed as a unit, um, it was related to measuring the head of bed of patients and using the that measurement um, as part of their heart failure assessment. So this was actually a question that one of our heart failure attendings was interested in. And at the time, he was part of our inquiry group on the unit. Um, and so just walking through that process of research and, you know, the um, working with the IRB to do everything correctly, um, we were we were also able to involve the entire unit um, because they were the ones performing this measuring the head of bed precisely, and um, so that was a really successful way for us to involve everyone on the unit. And um, then we eventually um, presented at a national heart failure conference. Wow, that's excellent. Um, I think you all shared examples of 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 different things that we hadn't talked about yet, like interdisciplinary care and the amount of time that inquiry can sometimes take, but that there's a payoff at the end of it. So I um, am just so thrilled that you guys have such rich examples of how engaged staff can really move the bar and make a difference um, in the care of our patients. And I, uh, I'm so thankful that you joined me today, and I'm sure that the folks who are attending SHINE are also very excited to have your expertise and input, and I hope that they are inspired to get engaged, be engaged, or find ways to engage their staff. Um, we are always looking for ways to keep our staff engaged and interested in being in our organizations, and inquiry work is a great way to make that happen. So. Um, thanks so much for everybody who's tuned in. Thank you to all of our panelists and keep on shining. Thank you for listening. Ooh. Ooh.